Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, and I'm your podcast host. And it's a joy to have you with us as we share together an episode of hope and encouragement. And hopefully it will inspire you to look to Jesus Christ, who is truly the hope of the world. It's a joy today to have Jonathan Arnold, Senior Pastor of the Redeemer Wesleyan Church in Central Pennsylvania. Jonathan, welcome to today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having me on. You look good all the way out there in Central Pennsylvania. You know that? You're looking good. I just wish everybody could see you, but, you know, we just have to, it have to be audio. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Somebody told me, you know, the old joke, you got a face for radio. You got a face for podcasting, right? Uh, well, Jonathan it has a master's, or he's working on a master's degree, serves as the president of Holy Joys, which he'll talk a little bit about that later on, and he co-hosts the Holy Joys podcast. He also enjoys writing and has been published in magazines such as Firebrand, The Bible Methodist, and The Arminian Magazine. He also authored The Kids' Catechism, and he is husband to Lexi and has two boys, Adam and Theodore, that I'm sure keep you extremely, extremely busy, don't they? Oh, they do, but they're so precious. I love my boys. Oh, yeah, they're great. Well, before we get into today's conversation, I just want to say again to our listeners today how much, friends, I appreciate you joining us for this episode today. We'd like to stay in touch with you, and one of the best ways we could do that would be for you to reach out to our website and become part of our newsletter family. If you'll go to www.hopealongthejourney.org, again, that's just www.hopealongthejourney.org, you can see a screen that will pop up, and it'll say, stay in touch. And that's exactly what we want to do, is stay in touch with you. So if you'll put your email address in that box, we'll put you on our newsletter mailing list, and you'll know a little bit more about what's going on with Hope Along the Journey Ministries. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your prayers. Would love to hear something from you. Connect with us on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You can connect with me as well on LinkedIn. You could also just shoot us an email at hopealongthejourney.com. Dot com. Again, that's just hopealongthejourney at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. Now, back to our conversation here, Jonathan. Again, welcome to the podcast. And as we talked in advance before this time together, we'd like for you to share your testimony of how God brought you from a place of despair and hopelessness to where you are today. So take us back in time and start your story and tell us how God has worked in your life. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Uh, I was raised in a loving home. I really was. My mom has suffered so much in her life, but 
really just keeps giving and giving and giving. And uh, fortunately, my parents had some awful experiences in the church, and I really developed religious OCD and, and had to get away for their own health. And did try to find a healthy church for a while. Uh, my dad taught Sunday school at a conservative United Methodist church until I was about two years old. Mm -hmm. uh, but after that closed, they didn't find another church to attend. And so I wasn't raised uh, going to church. I remember my dad would pray with me uh, before school. He'd always pray the same prayer over me before I went in. Uh, even through high school, he did that. Mm -hmm. And I know when I was really young, they had me memorize some scripture and the Lord's prayer and, and so on. But, um, you know, didn't have a lot of, a lot of memories of church and spiritual things after that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, I had mentioned to you the other day about my Gideon new Testament. And I remember on the, on the first day of school in second grade, they gave me this Gideon new Testament. I don't know where they, they got it from, mm -hmm. but evidently I sat and read through the whole book of Psalms or at least tried to, I don't know how much <laughs> I really understood, uh, at that, at that very young age. So wow. there were, you know, some seeds, yes, uh, there certainly. in my early life. That's yeah. something, though. That Gideon Bible, it's always amazing to me, Jonathan, the stories I hear about Gideon Bibles and the hands that they fall into and how they have a way of making an impression in people's lives. So from that second point, second grade on, tell me a little bit about what your childhood was like. What was school like for you? Yeah, so in, in third grade, we moved, and I transferred to Seals Grove School District, uh, and I got paired up with a kid. He was supposed to show me around and he came from a Christian family. And so he kind of became my best friend and really my only friend. And I remember, you know, a few vague memories of that time in my life. And I think I was always a little bit insecure, kind of reserved in some ways. Um, but in middle school was when things really started to fall apart for me because my best friend got obsessed with this girl uh, who was emo, and then he started identifying as emo, and he started cutting himself, and he was really depressed, and he was listening Sad. to screamo music, and he got into drugs, and he just went totally off the rails. And so I was left with um, with no real friends, and I would just sit on the curb at recess, really lonely, um, became pretty introverted, and at some point uh, started getting bullied pretty severely. I still don't really know why that was, but I, I do remember that when when my best friend kind of abandoned me, I sort of followed him along, you know, for a while. I just right. would kind of go wherever he went. And he was he was athletic. He was on the football team. And so he was around a lot of the popular kids, the athletes. And I, I wasn't athletic. So I was just sort of there, you know, maybe like sure. an easy target. And um anyway, it was it was brutal. Uh, middle school was uh the most miserable time of my life. And every, every time I hear about uh, a kid, whether it's at our church or whatever, that's in middle school, my heart goes out to them. And I try to try to stay close to them and do what I can to, to encourage and support them because I know those are hard years for a lot of kids, but yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. I look back in my own life and I think middle school, you know, grade school was fine. I had lots of friends seemed to do pretty good, but boy, middle school, it's like the world changes, especially in public schools, it really does change, doesn't it, when you get into that middle school period of time? Yeah, it was brutal. Um, I I wasn't really suicidal, but I, I do remember thinking about dying all the time. I mean, I was just mm. that miserable. Yeah. Um, I just wished I wasn't there. You know, I wish I didn't have to go to school. And my parents, uh, 
you know, like I said, were loving parents. They would try to talk to me, but I just was really nasty to them, push them away. Um, just dealing, you know, holding all this in and then just mm-hmm. taking it out on them and pushing right. them away, wanting right. to be left alone. And to kind of escape it, I started playing Xbox all the time. Um, I would I would go home from school, get on Xbox and play Call of Duty um, till like 2 or 3 a.m., uh, in in the lobby between matches, I would copy my homework off somebody else over oh, wow. over the uh, microphone. Uh, it was really Man. my whole my whole life during that time. Yeah, that and that that escapism is very popular um, among a lot of young people. In fact, you're just seeing it's becoming more and more prevalent that a lot of young people are looking to social media, internet, gaming as a way of forging virtual friendships and relationships, but they're really not the same as true one-on-one or group relationships, are they? No. Yeah, no, I think I was really looking for somebody that would like me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I, that I believed liked me. Um, my parents, you know, they love me, my family love me, but it's just, you want somebody that's not in your family to, to love you yeah. and to like you and to want to be friends with you. You know, <laughs> I remember later on, I would get on right after school. And the only person that would be on was actually the quarterback of the football team. And so we play and like that 30 minutes before anybody else got on, was like the best 30 minutes of my life. Cause it was just me and this guy. And he would treat me really well when it was just me and him, but then, you know, yeah. others would come on and stuff. So yeah, I was just longing for friendship and, yeah. um, longing for a real relationship, but yeah, when I think about getting bullied, though, I always think about this one kid. He was the one that really, um, that really fueled most of it, and he just said horrible things to me every day for no reason. Um, he would tell me I was gay and ugly, and that no girl would ever want me, and he would just cuss me out. I mean, it was just horrible, mm-hmm. day in and day out, you know. And you, and it starts to wear on you. And I would try to act tough and uh, I would talk back, you know, and I would just try to act like it didn't bother me and and act strong. But I just really wanted to get away from him. Um, He was always in my head, you know, even when I was at home. Sure. And things did get a little better um, when I when I got to high school um, because I started getting put, you know, in advanced classes. He was not in those classes. And so I didn't see him as much anymore. And um, and I did start to make some, you know, kind of casual friends and hang around groups of people, but still pretty insecure, you know, always felt like no one really liked me and, um, and was really looking for a relationship. And my story kind of started to change when I met this girl. So I was, um, I was kind of nominally Christian. You know, I would say I was Christian. I was very conservative politically. I was kind of known as a class conservative. And um, I met this girl who was a really good moral girl. She was a Seventh-day Adventist, very serious about living a good life, um, read her Bible, very serious about church, very devoted to church and church activities. And so we clicked. And um, when we started dating, it became, that became my whole world. I mean, I was just obsessed with her because this is like the first relationship that was kind of fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, as time went on, you know, obviously I started to learn more about her beliefs. She invited me to church on Saturdays and I had been working at a local grocery store. So I told my parents, Hey, I'm going to start taking off Saturdays and go to church with my girlfriend. And they're like, uh, no, you're not. Sunday is the Lord's day. And I'm like, we don't go to church. Like, so it just, it started to bring things to a head with my parents. And then a couple of times they tried to get me into a church, um, you know, evangelical church. And uh, anyway, through that time was just like wrestling with what I believed. I remember um, when I went to her church one time, the preacher 
preaching a sermon on evangelism and hell and saying like, when we get to heaven, like, what are you going to do if God says to you, where are the rest of the people from our town? What did you do to reach them? And I remember that had a be- that had a big impact on me. And so it really got me thinking about spiritual things. Um, but Anyway, at some point, um, this kind of came to a head. She told me basically, you know, you say you believe this stuff, but you don't even know what the Bible says. And she was right. I really didn't. Right. Um, I remember we would, we played Bible trivia one time, and I didn't even know who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. And so I was really <laughs> embarrassed, and it just, yeah, eventually yeah. that relationship uh, fell apart. Yeah. Well, it's amazing, though, how God works in steps and in stages in our life, isn't it? Even things that even and he always it's always amazing to me how every story of God's grace is so unique in the way God works and maneuvers to get us to a point to where we can eventually receive the message of the gospel. So what happened in your life from that point forward that really got you uh, to to the point where you developed a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah. So after we broke up, I was devastated. Um, I was just a mess. Many days I would come home. I'd go back to my bed. I would lock my door, cry myself to sleep, wake up, play Xbox again, and you know, still really miserable. But I did have this increased awareness then mm-hmm. that you know I wasn't living the way I was supposed to be. I really needed to figure out what the Bible taught, uh, what I really believed. And so... Um, I had this like one memory. I had started swearing basically to act tough and to try to fit in and get people off my back. And I remember one time I said GD it and it scared me so bad because I knew I had crossed this line Mm -hmm. and I was trapped in pornography. And so I would like ask, I would feel really bad about it. I'd ask God to forgive me and then I'd just do it again. Mm -hmm. And I'd really no, no power at all over temptation. It was making no progress. Uh, I would pick up the Bible from time to time and try to read it. Uh, but it was always like boring or confusing. And so I just put it back down and I, I didn't even know where to start. You know, I had heard somebody talk about this book of revelation. And so I thought maybe I'll try starting there. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't my. recommend that. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it happens yeah. more times than not that that's yeah. where a lot of people who want to read the Bible, they want to go first to the book of revelation. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So anyway, during this time, you know, I was, I was kind of seeking God was, God was obviously working in my life, but everything changed when one day, um, I picked up the Bible and I prayed my first real prayer mm-hmm. of dependence on God. And, you know, I prayed before, but it wasn't, it wasn't the sincere heartfelt prayer that I prayed that day. The Holy Spirit enabled me to pray a simple prayer from the heart. And all I said was, God, if I'm going to read this book, you'll have to help me. Mm-hmm. And God answered that prayer more dramatically than any prayer I'd prayed before and any prayer I'd, I'd prayed since. Um, I just had this insatiable desire for the word. Uh, I read most of the Old Testament over Thanksgiving break. I read the whole New Testament in about a week, and then I would just read through the the New Testament over and over and over again. Um, I was uh, doing basic inductive Bible study before I even knew what it was. I was I marking my Bible it's all amazing. up to where I could yeah. barely read it. Right. You know, I was making outlines in the back of each book and key themes. And I mean, I was just pouring over it. 
Uh, I started skipping lunch so that I could read more in the library. I, I didn't even know what fasting was, but that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and I started reading theological works early on. So I stumbled upon the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I read a biography of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, I actually almost became a Calvinist early on, but then mm-hmm. I read a little book called uh, Wesleyana, a compendium of Wesley's writings, and that that kind of convinced me of Wesleyanism. Mm-hmm. But in that book, um, Wesleyana, I first read Wesley's words that Christianity is holiness and happiness. And we'll talk about holy joys maybe a little bit later, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, our, our whole thing is for a holy, happy church. So that's where that all started. And uh, I read that's that you know, we were made to be happy in God. Yes, and that's kind of absolutely. the theme of my kids' catechism and the adult catechism as well. But but of course, it was the, you know, the Bible, most of all, that, that just transformed my life. And uh, walk through the hallways with a Gideon New Testament in my hand. I'd follow somebody's backpack to my next class. I'd sit in the back of the class so I could read more. And uh, that was when I, I really <laughs> began wonderful. to understand the gospel, yeah. realized God created me. Life is about him. The world is about him. Ecclesiastes had a deep impact on my life. You know, I really resonated with mm-hmm. um we die, we're buried like the animals, we're remembered no more, fear God, keep his commandments, this is the whole duty of man. It really resonated with me in my despair, and I you know, yeah, really found yeah. the purpose of life in, in knowing and serving God through Jesus Christ. That's wonderful, and it's amazing. Again, up to this point, you really don't have a whole lot of other influence in your life, but the power of the Word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And in God's providence, you know, and as a result of of that prayer, my, how God mightily answered that prayer to open Mm -hmm. the book to you, to where Mm -hmm. you could begin to gain an understanding as the Holy Spirit began to lead you into all truth. And, uh, you know, it's just, this to me is just such a remarkable story of God's power and grace. What else transpired in those years as you were beginning to develop this walk with God and a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, so from the very beginning, I had this strong desire to share what I was learning. Mm-hmm. So I worked at at a grocery store, as I said, and I kept my uh, my New Testament on my register, and I would read it uh, between customers. Uh, I memorized the whole book of James working at Wise Markets, between checking out groceries. <laughs> wow. And people would ask me about yeah. it. They would yeah. ask me about this Bible. And I was super friendly and went above and beyond to try to just love on people. And uh, people people really liked me. People would come in just to see me. They'd wait for you know in line to be able to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And God just helped me to be an evangelist uh, through that time. I remember I even Praise visited God. a couple in their home that I had I checked out their groceries and got to know them and went and visited them. And, and uh, so witnessed to a ton of people and was witnessing at school. There was this guy on the golf team that I basically started preaching to. And I was so zealous, more zeal than wisdom at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was just laying it on. I remember standing in line with him. I think it was at like a choir concert. And I was talking about judgment and the wrath of God and salvation in Christ. And he was under visible conviction. Wow. Like he was like yeah. almost yeah. trembling. And and I haven't seen anything like it, to be honest, since. And he prayed to be saved. I don't know what became of him, but that was a, a formative moment. I remember there was this group of guys that were mostly on the football team, and they had some church background, but they weren't sure what to make of me mm-hmm. and what was happening in my life. And so I convinced them to come to the local sportsman club mm-hmm. uh, where I had a membership to the meeting room and do a Bible study. 
And I, I found this a while back. I had like an eight page handout from Genesis to Revelation, <laughs> original sin and atonement. And I mean, I just oh, yes. don't <laughs> Man, you talk about overload. Those guys probably wonder what in the world had happened. <laughs> Man, I think so. But yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I do thank Lord. I think I had a deep impact on them. I remember this one guy talking to him many, oh, it was probably years later. And I left the Bible. I used to pass out Bibles all the time. Uh, Gideon Bibles. Now right. the Gideons aren't supposed to do this, I don't think, but this one guy that came through my line was a Gideon and he said, I'll give you a box of Bibles to pass out. So he gave me a box <laughs> of Gideon New Testaments and I would go out to people's cars and if they had their if they had their uh, their window down in their yeah, car, yeah. I would put one through the window <laughs> and drop it onto their seat. <laughs> my, my co-workers and my friends. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> you were really, you were all in, weren't you? I was. You know, that's one of the things things I I appreciate about you, Jonathan, and and sensing you that you are one of these kind of all-in kind of people. It's like if you're going to do it, you're going to do it with 110%. Well, that is is great, wonderful. So eventually you sense the call to preach, and and what what happened from that point? You begin to prepare for ministry? Well, for a long time, I still wasn't even going to church because I didn't have a license. I didn't have a car. So <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I, I still didn't know where to go. And and out of the blue one day, I get this call mm-hmm. and this person on the other end, this young guy about my age says, I don't know if you remember me, but years ago we played airsoft together at your grandparents and I tracked you down because I feel like God wants me to invite you to church. Would you like to go to church with me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, that would be amazing. And I told him what God had been doing in my life. And so he started picking me up every week and taking me to Sunbury God's Missionary Church, where Jacob Martin and Keith Bunch pastored. Uh, And they were so good to me. Brother Martin uh, let me be one of the Bible readers, uh, reading public reading of Scripture. Uh, And then on uh, September 1st, 2013, which would be uh, later in my story, but he he did baptize me. Uh, And through this time— I started thinking that maybe I was called to be a preacher. Uh, I would read the Bible and I'd be preaching sermons in my head. I was always witnessing to people. And um, and so I started really considering it. I told my parents one time, like, I think maybe I'm supposed to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what in the world? I mean, they were never, they never discouraged me, but they were just surprised because I had been talking yeah. about business or law. We were looking at colleges and all that. So it was really uh, you know, a surprise. But there's a story that stands out in my mind that I think God really used to confirm my call to mm-hmm. preach. Um, I was in I was still in high school, and one of my classes was an AP English class, which was like a college-level English class. And I love that class. I loved my teacher. Um, but it was also hard because I was very vocal about my faith at that time, and my teacher and my classmates were not very supportive. And uh, I remember saying one time in my group, we we're talking about somebody cussing, and I said, you know, that a Christian doesn't say the F word. And I remember other classmates overhearing that and just like dogpiling on me, like, you know, that's so judgmental and all this stuff. And then I remember one day my teacher called me aside and said to me that he thought I would be wasting my talent if I went into ministry and thought that I should go to a certain college and pursue this writing scholarship and all of this stuff. And that really irked me. 
Uh, I wrote him this long letter about our two irreconcilable creeds, and I used all of these arguments from these <laughs> apologists that I had been listening to to try to encourage him to become a Christian and make this case for him to believe. But anyway, the reason, I, the reason I'm telling you this is because in this class, one of our big assignments was to uh, look through poetry books and choose a poem by a certain date, and then we had a couple weeks to prepare a five-minute presentation uh, on this poem. And I was a procrastinator. I always just blew things off and totally forgot about it. And so one class, uh, beginning of the class, he says, I'm going to call your names. You need to tell me the title and the author of the poem that you're going to be presenting on. And I'm Arnold, Jonathan Arnold. So I'm at the beginning of the list. Mm -hmm. And I grab a poetry book, open it to a random page. He calls my name and I'm like the Windover by Gerard Manley Hopkins. That's my poem. I mean, I hadn't even read this thing yet. So I start reading this poem and it's like, uh, I caught this morning morning's minion, kingdom of daylight's dauphin, dappled don drawn falcon in his riding of the rolling level underneath him steady air. And I'm thinking, what in the world did I do myself into? I can't even understand this thing. So anyway, I'm studying this poem. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, and I start reading, you know, various versions of it. And I see that at the top, um, it's often, there's often a bylaw, a dedication line, and it's dedicated to Christ, our Lord. Mm-hmm. And I find out that Gerard Manley Hopkins was a priest. And in this poem, he describes this great bird in flight. Mm-hmm. And I start picking up on a few, uh, a few key phrases like my heart in hiding stirred for a bird and then pride plume here buckle and the fire that breaks from thee then a billion times told lovelier so i begin to realize through my studies reading commentaries on this poem that this is a poem about an encounter with the spirit of christ exposing the hidden heart and humbling one's pride And my five-minute presentation turned into a 12-minute sermon on the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm (laughs) quoting Ezekiel 36, and I'm talking about Pentecost and all this scripture. And and then I get done, and I go back to my seat, and my class is just like, what in the world? Uh, Speechless, you know? And finally, my teacher says, I think a spirit came over you. And he said, let's take a break. And he dismisses the <laughs> class for a break. And all my classmates just puddle around me. That's and they're amazing. asking me questions. And this girl invites me to teach Sunday school at our Lutheran church. And uh, anyway, God just used that experience to, to really confirm my call to preach. Oh, that's wonderful. We've got just a, just a couple more minutes here to of recording time, but I did want to ask you just, first of all, to tell that story that you said you wanted to be sure to tell by the end of here about about the guy who used to bully you and how you were able to have an impact on him. Yeah, so I said that my pastor, you know, Jacob Martin was, um, I think I mentioned he was the ministerial director at Penview. So I ended up going to school there to study for ministry. And one day I was in a service uh, while I was at Penview, and I felt this overwhelming impression to reach out to this kid who had bullied me so badly in middle school and high school. I hadn't seen him for years. Um, the last time I had saw him, he, um, uh, this, I was working at wise markets and this guy comes in and he's like, listen, somebody's going to be coming in here to try to buy over the counter medicine to try to get their fix. 
Um, they just got out of drug rehab and don't sell it to them. Here's what they're going to be dressed like. You know, they're with this girl. So I'm overseeing the front end at this point, and it ends up being him, this kid that bullied me. And Amazing. so he goes yeah. to one of my um one of the registers that I'm overseeing, and I go over there and I say, Hey, and I call him by name. You know, I need to card you. We have a right to do that as a store. And he starts cussing me out. John, you know how old I am and just storms off. So that was the last time I'd saw him. And that had been years ago. Mm -hmm. um, this was after school. And so anyway, I, I felt in this moment, like the Holy Spirit was telling me to reach out to him. And I didn't want to believe it. Honestly, I was scared to do it. Um, you know, there was still a lot of hurt there. And for a long time, I tried to convince myself that it was all in my head. Uh, I couldn't even find his contact information at first, but I couldn't get away from it. Mm -hmm. And so after a while, I finally get his phone number. I call, no answer. Good. All right. It was in my head, right? Great. Okay. <laughs> and a couple months go by. Uh -huh. And a couple months later, I'm sitting in another service. And again, out of the blue, I get this mm -hmm. overwhelming impression. And it's like God is saying, now is the time. And I left that service. I drove to my grandparents. I had been staying with them at college. And I pull open my phone, find his contact information. It's still in there. I hit call. And honestly, I don't expect him to answer. You know, he didn't before. I thought maybe that wasn't even his number anymore. Mm -hmm. But after just a ring or two, he answers. And I'm just stumbling around. And I'm so nervous. And I tell him about how God had changed my life and how um, I wanted him to forgive me for the times I didn't have a good attitude towards him. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling him how I feel like God wanted me to reach out to him. And anyway, I'm just going over this big row and he's just quiet for a while when I stopped talking. And he just says, did God really tell you to reach out to me? And that alone was amazing. Um, I expected him to be a jerk like he had always been. Sure. And he's also acknowledging the possibility that there is a God because he had always said there is no God. Mm -hmm. So this was this alone was just like, oh, wow, okay. And so we talked for a while, and I found out that the reason I couldn't get in contact with him up until this point was he had just gotten out of prison. And God had been preparing me yes, wow. so that when the time came, mm -hmm. my heart was ready to do it and not, not mess around. And so as time went by, I would text him sometimes, we would talk. Um, and one day I was traveling in a singing group for the college and I get this call from a lady that I never talked to. And here it's his mom. And she said, he doesn't know I'm calling you, but I wanted to thank you because I've, I've seen your text messages and my son is in a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and he recently talked about this person that reached out to him and how now he believes in God. And God just was able to use uh, that horrible situation Praise and redeem God. it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Jonathan, I really appreciate you sharing your testimony today. This is just powerful to hear how God has worked in your life. Before we wrap it up, tell people about Holy Joys, what it is, and how they can follow you on social media and how they can pick up on Holy Joys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll make this really quick, but when I was uh, in college, my homiletics professor asked me to assist at his church, and I ended up pastoring there for eight years. And in fall of 2017, Michael Avery, who is the former president of God's Bible School and College, uh, came to teach and preach this week of special services. And during that time, I shared with him my passion for Wesleyan theology, my desire to see more Wesleyan theological resources online, um, uh, and 
to explore theological ideas through my writing. And he was the first person I felt like really got me. Mm-hmm. It was like we were kind of cut out of the same cloth. You know, we, we love ideas and we love theology and we love the church. And anyway, he invited me later on to come out to GBS, to God's Bible School and College, to sit down with some other pastors and educators. Uh, David Fry was there. Philip Brown uh, was there and some others. Uh, some of your listeners might know them. And that's how Holy Joys was born. And I remember walking away from that meeting just so humbled by the godliness of those men, uh, just having this desire, deeper desire to be holy, feeling like I'd really found my community. Uh, It's through them that I ended up joining the Bible Methodist Connection of Churches. But since then, Holy Joys has grown. It's been a slow process. You know, we've developed. Uh, We now have a library of about 600 articles on holyjoys.org. We have around 90 podcasts on the Holy Joys podcast, and then we also have a sermon podcast. Uh, We have now an annual conference, uh, the Healthy Church Conference, which is coming up August 24th to 26th in Frankfort, Indiana. And that conference uh, really seems to be growing. It looks like next year we're going to have to move it to a campground. Um, So we're really excited to see what happens there. Uh, We're beginning to produce more print content. I mentioned the Kids Catechism book that's illustrated by Brent Vernon. We're actually sold out of those right now on the website. So I'm not sure if we're going to be doing a second printing, Uh, but we do have a few left over. If somebody's interested, they can email contact at holyjoys.org. But our biggest project is coming up. And that will be called The New Methodist Catechism. It's a 300-page book. The first 100 pages is a catechism that is divided into six chapters for a baptism and church membership class. Uh, The next 200 pages are like a discipleship handbook with outlines for daily devotions, Bible reading plans, basically everything you need to disciple somebody in the local church. It's like a, a catechism discipleship handbook. And we have other projects as well, some translation projects coming up. And uh, I'll I'll add this yet. If some of your listeners know Travis Johnson, Mark Sankey, and David Bubb, they've recently joined our board of directors. So we're excited about the team we're starting to develop as well, pull together, and just excited about what the future holds. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. Appreciate you being on today's episode of Hope Along the Journey and how God brought you from a life of emptiness and despair to a life of happiness, holiness, and hope. That's great. And thank you, listeners, today for listening to today's episode. And as I say and mean from the depth of my heart, uh, Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. If you look to Him, He'll help you find hope along the journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.